Be happy, you big serotonin-lacking bitch. <laughs> well, that's you told. Yeah. Yeah. Did it work? <laughs> Are you happy now? Nah. Welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me as ever are Jack. Hello. And Kyrie. Hello! I have a cough. <laughs> Spriter coming in with a four-month resubscription. Thank you very much, Spriter. Showing us the love, and uh, thank you for that, because we haven't been earning it. Uh, <laughs> but we are here, and oh... Oh god, have I got a backlog of podcasts to edit and put out? Mm. I now that we're streaming them, I'm like, hey, everyone's heard it. It's fine. It's no rush. And then I forget. And then I get ill. And then I get busy. And then I forget. And then uh, I don't think we've released one this year, have we? What? Yes. Uh, <laughs> really? Nobody told me that. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe we've released one. We released the uh, unprepared verse. We yeah, released our Spider-Man one three weeks ago. Yeah, 20, <laughs> that's our 2019 episode. 21 days. Wow. We, um, we are not getting into old habits. Don't worry. Te- no. Technically, we have released two because we have released our year in review. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, at the start of the year, we we've done episodes here on the stream on Twitch.tv/slash Dangerously Unprepared. So if you really want to keep up with Dangerously Unprepared, this is apparently where to do it. <laughs> but uh, it just means we've got a backlog so we'll be releasing regularly once we start releasing feeling kind of abashed <laughs> and ashamed now anyway Good. yes i should i should um, yeah boo shame yes shame. yes shame. trouble is i can actually see you judging me now that's uh, the disadvantage <laughs> of the new setup it's okay my judging face <clears throat> is much the same as my excited face and my sad that, face. that is true uh anyway I'm going to start off with I saw a movie. I finally saw Ralph Breaks the Internet. Oh, ah, I've seen that. It's surprisingly good. Mm. Uh, I expected it to be fun because I liked the first one, but I mm. thought it was actually like better than I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more going on in there than I thought there was going to be. Uh, yes. Not going to go full into the review, but uh, yeah, recommended. Thoroughly recommended. Obviously, if you didn't like the first, Ralph, why not yeah. be the thing for you? That's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also saw a movie. What did you see? I saw Battle Angel Alita. Oh, yes, uh, and you don't like it, so... I really uh, don't like it. You can keep that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't seen it yet, but I want okay, to. So. I've not seen it yet. You I probably really to. like it. I'm That's not the... sure quite what you mean by that. Well, you, you liked Avatar. <laughs> I, I did like Avatar, you're there right. There you go. I didn't think it was a well-made movie, but I liked it. There you go. If you liked it, you'll probably like this. <laughs> and I, uh, okay. I need to I'd see it as the, person, as the only person on the group who's actually read the source material. Correct. Well, you've read all of the source material. Yes. I've read some of the source material. Ah, that's true, yes. Uh, and I've I read, saw a, like, a book. And I saw a clip of it in AMV Hell. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's my entire experience of it. But that bit did spoil the ending of the live action movie for oh, me, fair so. enough <laughs> okay <laughs> like literally five second clip did did spoil the ending um, interesting yeah but overall i 
Oh, I was not a fan. So Kyrie's not a fan. Sprite did like it. So we got a fairly balanced response there yeah. so far. We'll see. Uh, I, I will see it and I will let people know. Yes, indeed. And uh, I also saw a movie during this period as well. Gosh, what did you see? I saw uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3. Ah. Which is uh, a very good end to the trilogy. So it's definitively it's an definitive end. Definitive an end. Okay. I mean, they could they could technically work something into it, but no, they they've done it anyway. It's like now let's just let's just call it at the end. Cool. I I like that. I like it when stories actually have an ending. Yeah, I could it's, have sworn there were more How to Train Your Dragon films. There was the three films, but then there was the TV series. Ah, uh, they had several. There's several TV series, and then like. Yeah, the franchise like, isn't over. Like, I'm like, I was trying like, to think like how how old the franchise was, mm. and then I realized that when the first film came out, mm. I remember it because of a very very heated discussion where Sabina was getting very very angry about the Vikings having Scottish accents. Yes, right. she was. I will just interrupt <laughs> to say thank you for the follow, Flugel nineteen eighty six. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm probably not, but always appreciated for a follow. Yeah, one nine eight six nineteen eighty six. You got it right. That's not the. Never mind. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> but like that was that was how long like it was my student days. That's how long ago. The, that was the, a long the, time ago. Yeah, fuck, I'm old. <laughs> you think you think you're old? Goodness me. Yeah, no, I mean I'm not the youngest one here, but um, damn, what does that mean for you guys? I I'm just dealing with the existential crisis of oh my god, my next birthday is my fortieth. Uh, oh god! Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Huh, yeah. That was a long time ago. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of unnerving. But still, we soldier on and pretend that we're not growing up. <laughs> no, no, no. We pretend we're growing up. We, 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 wait. We're growing up. We're not growing old. That's right. Growing in up fact, is mandatory. Growing old is not. In fact, you know what? No, growing old is mandatory. Growing up is not. You know what? Let's just do neither. I mean, I, I would like to, but I have not enough virgin blood around here. I mean... Yeah. I know technically we have ourselves as a physical embodiment of the passage of time, but I have a small person that keeps getting bigger. <laughs> yes, you do. So yes. that, yeah. that kind of makes me go, oh, time is going, and she's going to be five in over just over a week. Yeah. Meanwhile, I got this many birthdays to go before I turn 30. <laughs> <laughs> I entirely 30, 40, agree. Shit. No, I entirely wait. agree with Spriter. There are not enough cyborg bodies. No. I, I want a neat cyborg body. Yeah. Damn this meat shell. I want two. Two cyborg bodies. Well, you're just greedy. Yeah, but I split my time <clears> between the two, like split my mind between the two and control it like a cluster bot. Like I said, you're greedy. No, no, <laughs> efficient. Greedy. I can be both. Well, fair. And also, as I was talking about just before we came on, I was I asked Kyrie this question already. Jack, have you played any of that Apex Legends malarkey? No, I've not. Because as yeah. uh, far as I'm aware, you had to play it as a team of three. Well, yes, but you get randoms if you're not with anyone. Oh, okay. But uh, what, the reason I bring it up is because, as far as I can tell, one, mm. two, mm. three, Ooh. three of us. There are oh three my god, of that's us. right. All of whom have a PlayStation. Oh, oh. And the game is free. 
Oh, oh, oh. yeah. Stream! Maybe we should do some dangerously unprepared Apex Legends. Oh boy. Starting a new series, Stream, but the, the E is a three. Because <laughs> there's three of us. Oh, branding. Oh, dear. dear. So that is a thing we could do if we can find the time. Yeah. I, I no promises now. we will find the time. <laughs> I'll start downloading it now and we can start playing at the end of this episode. And, you know, obviously, no promises that we'll ever win. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. No, Although, no, no. In my second time playing it with randoms, my team did finish second. Oh, nice. Uh, in the first game, uh, on the other hand, the person on our team who locked in Lifeline, who is the healer, Mm. Uh, decided to drop solo and charge away from us at maximum speed whilst our drop leader dropped sort of in a hurried reaction and tried to follow them right. uh, and panically regrouped in a very, very densely populated drop location where right. we just instantly got killed, apart from the healer who just ran around despite having picked up a gun punching things, even though their teammates were literally crawling around their feet going, please, please revive me. Um, so that was right. less fun. Yeah, <laughs> That sounds great. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like playing with randoms in anything. Yeah. You, you, it's just it's, that, like in Overwatch, if you've got one person throwing, that's one sixth of the team throwing. In true. Apex, it's one third of the team, and that's yeah. a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of battle royale games, have, have uh, you tried Tetris? I have not yet, but I really want to. Mm, I thought, I've not tried it myself. I've. What's plenty of people give it a go though, and yeah, it really rewards people who can play Tetris. What well, that's funny that like yeah. the overwhelming response I've seen from friends of mine who have played it uh, is because Tetris has fundamentally been a solo game that most people who were into games have played a lot. Yeah, and the almost universal response was, "I thought I was pretty good at Tetris." Yeah, turns out no. I thought I was pretty good at Tetris. <laughs> Until the Japanese joke came online. <laughs> uh oh. But yeah, I, I really want to give Tetris 99 a go because I always thought I was pretty good at Tetris. <laughs> I'm terrible at Tetris. It always has been. I should really give Tetris a go because you know, I'm wearing it. You, yeah. 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 For life. For life. For life, yo. That was literally <laughs> an Achievement Hunter conversation there, Jack. Where the oh, guy, yeah. where, where the Jack. guy, I was about to yeah. say, yeah, there was a guy on Achievement Hunter called Jack who was basically saying, "You're not as big a Tetris fan as I am. I have six Tetris tattoos." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and here we are with our member called Jack with his Tetris tattoo. <laughs> yeah, I can't even say that mine's just a tribute piece because some of his pieces are tribute pieces. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, kind of our moving and shaking in the last couple of weeks. Any, anything else you've been playing or watching? Crackdown. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I've downloaded the campaign now because you clued me into the £2 for two months uh, yeah. Xbox Pass deal. haven't played still, it yet. This is still running, uh, for people who may be interested, uh, till the 22nd. Yes, so that's the Xbox Game Pass, two months for £2. A very so, good deal, even if you yeah. just like play one game off of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've... For Xbox. I've put. <laughs> it helps. Yeah. I've put quite a bit. Uh, Crackdown Freeze campaign isn't very big. Or, from what I've heard, good. It's a Crackdown game. If you played any Crackdown games, it's another Crackdown game. Yeah. I have not. But you get, 
But he plays Terry Crews, so... That is true. Like, all of the reviews are... Crackdown 3 is pretty disappointing, but Terry Crews is in it, so it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> that is every review I've read. It's hard, you sort of start off as Tiny Terry, because you obviously there's that thing where you lose... The, the thing where you lose all your powers and start a fresh sort of thing. And... Uh, it's Terry, but he's not as wide and <laughs> big. It's Terry, but not as Terry. Yeah, it's tiny Terry. And then as um, you max out the strength, he suddenly he gets to be Terry. <laughs> <laughs> so basically he just spends the game capitalizing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Going from Terry to Terry. Yeah, uppercase. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Upper cruise. Now that's not a good pun. I mean, I can do better. Give me, give me, give me a moment. Okay, okay. Come back. No, to I mean, it's it's fun, you know, to run around as a super, you know, super soldier, superhuman, and kicking the shit out of people, picking them up and throwing them for miles, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's the same as the previous two Crackdown games, where eventually it gets repetitive. Fair enough. Like, More yeah. of the same. Yeah, and it's it's a pretty-ish location. Yeah, it's probably what the best looking of the crackdowns. Um, yeah, you know, a solid six or seven out of ten. Cool. You know, I have been raging at Assassin's Creed Odyssey because <laughs> uh, I hit a lovely bug. Yeah. Oh no! And lost an awful lot of progress. Oh, oh no! I'd, I'd been playing all morning. Yeah. And I was doing this mission, and I have to go into a room and speak to a fella, and I do, and then the conversation ends. Right. And I'm still in that room. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And the door is not an interactive object. No? No. And I can't fast travel because the room is in the middle of a contested area. So I can't leave. Oh. So I'm just stuck in that room. Forever. Uh-huh. So that's broken. Uh... <laughs> How far back is Prudent like next save? Uh, like three and a half hours. Ooh. Yeah. So it's I'm taking a break because you know what it's like when you lose a big yeah. chunk of progress and you're like I yeah. can't bear to just redo that right now. As as we are two JRPG fans in the room, yeah, save often. And Sprite asked if I could save and quit. Yes, and then I could reload back into that room. Oh. Uh, it gets better. I even downloaded um, a cheat uh, that allows you to teleport around the map. Okay. And I was able to teleport out of the room. And yes, yeah. I was actually able to continue. Uh, I could take quests and complete them. Mm. But fast travel remained disabled because as far as the game was concerned, I was still in that one contested area. Uh. And that quest chain, which is a plot quest chain, would uh. not continue because as far as it was concerned, that quest was not completed. Could you not go back into the same location? Yes, and get stuck again. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> so I maybe that they might... all come crawling oh, I tried. back. I tried. <laughs> so... That could have. Oh, that would have been great. We would have just pushed that little bit that you needed. Yeah, because um, I could go back into that room, and it would actually restart that dialogue. And I tried uh, in sheer desperation the uh, three different outcomes uh, mm. to see if they would end differently. And in one of them the guy I'm talking to tries to kill me, uh, and then I win that fight, and the only difference between that option and the other two is I'm trapped in that room with a corpse instead of I'm trapped in that room with that guy. Mm. 
Uh, if you understand, I'm not trapped in here with a corpse. <laughs> the corpse is trapped in here with me. So Ubisoft or Ubisofting, uh, but that's nothing new. Oh, another thing worth mentioning. Um, I know I've talked to you about it, but not listeners. Uh, I went back to Eve in Bethnal Green for an you, outstanding show. You did? Yes, and Mercedes Martinez, who, if you've watched the May Young Classics, uh, or indeed some NXT, you may recognize, came, and I cannot sing her praises highly enough. She played that show like it was a WrestleMania. Um, she brought serious heel energy into that room. She was outstanding. Uh, so glad she came, and so glad I will be seeing her again in April. Because she's going to be a return visitor. And also saw uh, Sue Young, the bloody undead bride, make her debut at Eve, who is such a cool name. Fucking terrifying. Check her out on YouTube. She's superb. And will be one of Chris Wolf's last opponents in her retirement tour that she's doing at the moment. So that could be an excellent match, because they're both pretty bloody good. Uh, so I'll be checking out if that's going to be on demand anywhere. Also, I found out that Eve had a secret show on my birthday. Oh. It was, um, they hosted it, but apparently it was organized by, by and for someone else, so it was a completely secret show. So there was no chance I could have gone, but I'm still salty that I couldn't have gone. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, it was uh, another superb show, and quite frankly, I could keep talking for the whole episode about it, but I thought I'd spare you. <laughs> <laughs> So anything else, or shall we move on? What else? I bought some Yu-Gi-Oh! The new card. You know what, that doesn't really need to... Actually, no, because you played the tournament. You've played the new format Yu-Gi-Oh! I have! Yeah, a lot of you people can... listening won't have played the new format Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm. You could tell, tell them not. about it. Yeah. We, going back to our sort of discussion from a couple of episodes back on, like, you know, the, the nature of card games and when you buy boxes and packs and whatnot, mm. I've really got to say I love the new setup for starter packs for... Um, for Yu-Gi-Oh, like, but for, for speed dueling, buy one box and you get three decks for three different characters. Um, so you just get a thematic deck for each one and you get to sort of pick between three of them. Uh, and each deck is only 20 cards, so a game is only going to, and it's all halved on everything. So a game is really only going to run you around about five to ten minutes, if you know what you're doing. Um, oh, that's interesting. The, uh, the three decks you get in yeah so char character wise you get in one box you get yugi pegasus and ishizu which is the one i've got and rowan picked up the one that gets you kaiba joey and Mom. joey yeah see those mean nothing to me but yeah <laughs> everything you said about the mechanics appeals to me and it's the first time i've ever had an interest in playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Next yeah. next time next time we're down for for um, changeling night, I will bring up my speed duel decks, and there might even be some more out by that point. Yeah, because it will um, only take about ten minutes, even with me not knowing what I'm doing. And what I also love about it, right, is that you get your your, your starter deck box, uh, which looks like any other one, but each of the decks inside are individually in their own little boxes that look like um, little candy cigarette um, oh, boxes, that's which cool. is great. I like that. Yeah, so you just have these individually colourful boxes coming out, all big primary coloured um, sets. Um, I will, I'll, I'll bring my decks down. I'll give you a, a, a crash course in speed dueling so that you can beat me. Superb. Yeah, it's been a very long time since I've played Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> yeah, it so, was a long time since I played it too. I'm not very good at it. I have never played Yu-Gi-Oh. 
you'll still probably win because you'll do the one thing that I, for some reason, can't. Win. Read the cards. Oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> also, Phil in the chat room asks, have we seen Elimination Chamber yet? I have. I, I watched it last night. What did you think? Um... Yeah, that, that's what I thought too. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I, it's been a while since I've heard a WWE crowd get that hyped and that animated um, for Kofi. Hmm. In general, to be fair, but for Kofi, that was great. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's been a real push on Kofi lately. Yeah, which is which is fantastic. Um, the only problem I, with that is uh, spoilers. Like, if you're listening to this show, expecting us not to spoil shit, you're listening to the wrong show. Um, <laughs> at the end of the night, when he lost, and there was the huge thank you Kofi chant. I honestly, I just got jitters because I was like, "No shit, this is what a last match sounds like." No, don't mm. don't be a last match. I I'm thinking this is a bit of a weird one, but like, have you seen their cosplay photo shoot they did recently? Uh, no. Where they did uh, Marty Jannetty. Basically, you had Kofi dressed as Shawn Michaels with the leather jacket. Yeah. Um, Xavier Woods was Marty Jannetty, and Biggie was uh Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Oh. And they did the barbershop breakup thing as a, f- a cosplay photo shoot. Yeah. Which was you know when Shawn Michaels, aka Kofi turned heel and beat up his partner yeah. and went solo. Mm. So, I mean, it just looked like they were having a bit of fun, but... But is it foreshadowing? Yeah, it did also have... That, I mean, that did also... That moment from history did have one of the greatest heel commentator lines ever. When <laughs> Shawn Michaels kicked Marty... Super kicked Marty Jannetty and then threw him through the window. Yes. And you had Bobby the Brain Heenan going, Look at that snake, that coward Marty Jannetty trying to flee out the window. <laughs> Uh, yeah, overall it was an okay show. Um, yeah, I quite enjoyed the women's tag elimination chamber. I thought they did that That's pretty a well. Great idea. Yeah, like if you're gonna ha- like bring in this sort of division, that's a great way to start. Yeah, I think the wrong team won it. I think they need to spend a bit more time figuring out team names. Well, I I think they need to not rename teams that have perfectly good names. Yes. Because Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville have been absolution since they debuted on the main roster. Why are they and now Fire they... and Desire? Yes, that's a terrible, that a terrible name. name. <laughs> they call themselves Fire and Desire. Like, no, they fucking don't. If they did, it would say Fire and Desire on the tag yep. thing there. It doesn't. It says, and they're also coming out separately to different music. Also, they've been going by the team name Absolution for a long yeah. time now. Like, of all of them, wasn't it just the Iconics that had a tag name? Uh, no, there's also the Boss and Hug connection. Who were listed as uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey. Yeah, the but they they are, they are have been going by the Boss and Hug connection for a while now. Okay. That's also um, not a great name. That's not new. Uh, I quite like the idea of Nia and Tamina actually picking up Samoan Slaughterhouse as a tag team name. That would be great. That, uh, it was something that they, they referenced. It's a Samoan Slaughterhouse in here, and I was like, ooh, that's a tag name that they could go yeah. with. Uh, I, I I was that said, I was quite happy that you had Tamina and, and Nia Jax and they're a tag team and their gimmick isn't they're Samoan. Yeah. Like that is it's it's been a while, but I'm just trying to think. Have there been has have you ever had a, a moment in WWE or WCW where you've had two Samoans standing next to each other and that's not been the focal point in their tag team? Uh Usos. Oh shit, yeah, the Usos. I was surprised they <laughs> speaking of which. I was surprised they won. Yeah, me too. Given the DUIs. News. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this is the thing. Like, that's not the first time that one of the Usos has gotten in legal trouble and it has not affected their push at all. 
Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, also, I um, Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan, of course, are Riot Squad. They yes. are technically a named team as well. Okay, cool. So it, there was actually, I think, more teams in there that actually had a team name than didn't. Yeah, okay. All right. Fair enough. But I would have but given it to just... the Iconics. Yeah, none, none of them were as good as the Iconics. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, just one, because the Iconics are like the most established tag team tag team mm. in the women's division. And two, because I, I would love... One, I would love to see them as the champions because they're amazing. And two, because I think Sasha and Bailey work better in that classic face position of chasing the title rather than holding the title. Well, now that they've sort of they've got it, they're the they're the first, they're the inaugural yeah. holders. They can then lose it to I don't know anyone, anyone. Yeah, and apparently, they... and this is interesting. Apparently, the belts. It's not going to be the SmackDown Women's Tag Team Championships and the Raw Tag Team Championships. It's going to be the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships defended on Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. So you could potentially see Sky Pirates challenging for it. Nice. Kyrie and Dio versus Sasha yeah. and Bailey on an NXT takeover. That's a match I want to see. I like that. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway, um, so yes, we have seen an Elimination Chamber. That's probably about all I want to say about it. Yeah, it was... It's all right. Yeah. So all I could think to say is... First time the WWE Championship has headlined a WWE pay-per-view in like, I don't know, six years, seven years? I was very confused by that because I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite sure of the sort of situation going in because normally Elimination Chamber, the winner is like, it's like a speed bump on the way to Mania kind of thing. Um, So when it was Daniel Bryan going in, I was like, well, what happens if he wins? Does he just challenge himself at Mania? No, no, and it's... Then uh, halfway through the match, I realised, oh, right, the belt is on the, the line. The belt is okay. on the line, yes. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, is there any NXT women who would make... Uh, NXT UK women that would make a good tag team? Uh, yes, but unfortunately at the moment, they're feuding. Like, I feel like a, <laughs> an Aussie tag team of... Um, Rhea Ripley. Rhea and, and Tony Storm. would go really well. Um, Ginny has done some excellent tag work in the past. Um, you could bring in any number of UK women who have tagged with her and form an excellent tag team immediately. Uh, obviously, uh, Candy Floss and Zaya Brookside are a natural fit tag team-wise. They're both the bright, bubbly, really young competitors with the brightly have, coloured hair. Have Dakota Kai do a heel turn and have her tag with Rhea Ripley? No, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox have to uh, team up. Is Tegan Knox like, wrestling yet? Uh, she's still recuperating, but if okay. you're going to have um, Dakota Kai in a tag team, it's going to be with Tegan Knox. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's a few. There's a few there that could uh, could be interesting. Just have, just have Rhea Ripley on her own. She's, she is the world's greatest <laughs> tag team. Rhea Ripley probably could actually do that. Yeah. Much like Scott Steiner, she is the world's greatest tag team. Yes. Um, but what else? I was going to say something else about it. And I've forgotten it. So there you go. That's how good Elimination Chamber was. Woo. <laughs> Meanwhile, wait, wait, hang on. So Elimination Chamber. Yes. There we go. Uh, hang on a minute. So in, I've got nothing. I literally have no fucking segue in this. So Venom. I, 
<laughs> tag teams. Tag teams. Two people working in concert towards a common goal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one of the most natural tag teams, of course, Eddie, Brock, and Venom. Woo! We got uh, there in the did, end. We did, we did. I was going to say, I saw another film this week. Oh, what did you see? This. Oh! <laughs> that. that would have been a much easier segue, and you kept your fucking mouth shut. Damn it! I didn't get a chance! Yes, you did! So, we we have all now seen Venom. We have. Yes. Uh, I'm going to see if I can remember anything about it whilst we discuss it today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> excuse me whilst I just pull up a webpage. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerously professional. It's been a little while since I've seen it. Yeah. It Um, is. We are dangerously unprepared. But uh, yeah, so it had already been out for a while when I saw it. So it had already been thoroughly reviewed. Yes. And shall we say that critical response to Venom was mixed? (laughs) It it was. What what do they always say about uh, about, uh, John Cena? It's a controversial. Reactions are split between the crowd. <laughs> it's divis- divisive. Divisive! Um, That's another good one. Yes. Uh, some people loved it. Some people did not. Mm. But it was Tom Hardy, and that was enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he is the reason I watched this movie. And I was not disappointed. Tom Hardy was definitely in this movie. He was all in <laughs> for this movie. He was great. Hmm. Like generally, he was really good. I yeah, my 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 review of this film was at the time and still is basically ten out of ten, and then the wig present in the stinger, eleven out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, it's hard to say if this is a good film or not. It's, no, it isn't. It's a good film. It's, See, it's, easy. It's sort of not a good film, but it's incredibly enjoyable. Mm. Okay, but hear me out, right? It's a good film. Is it? We all enjoyed it. I mean, this is the thing, is you're right, we did all enjoy that, it, and that is... That is the criteria for a good film. Well, no, there are lots of good films you don't enjoy. Okay, no, 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 but like, if we, if, we all, if we all enjoyed it, if we all enjoyed it, then there is no one here among us three who can say it's a bad film, because we all enjoyed it. I, I am quite capable of the cognitive dissonance required to say I enjoyed it and it's a bad film. I say that about a lot of films yeah. I like. Tank Girl, yeah. Avatar, uh, I enjoy a lot of films that are objectively not good films. Speaking of which, I showed Zoe the David Lynch Dune last night. I was so glad. I was about to say, how, how did she enjoy it? And then it's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I I think she came around to my point of view, which is that it is not a good adaptation of Dune the novel. It is not, in fact, an adaptation of Dune the novel, but it is a very good David Lynch film. There are, it's a very good way of putting Patrick Stewart on the screen. It, it takes half an hour before he even sticks his fucking hand in the ganja bar. <laughs> um, the ganja bar is not the box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Yeah. Before, yes. Yeah. It, you know it takes I mean. like uh, nearly an hour before they get to June. It, it's <laughs> maddening. Absolutely maddening. There are a whole bunch of scenes that are neither from the book nor add anything. The two True. reasons a scene should be. <laughs> In fact. 
there was a pug. Why? Speechless with rage. The pug is amazing. How dare you? The the eleventh millennium pug pug. is one of the best things in that movie. You're telling me they haven't fixed pugs. Well, as far as I can tell, like over thousands of years, the pug completely evolved out and then back in. (laughs) Is how I see it. I'm just very spoiled because my first introduction to Dune at all was the sci-fi miniseries, not even the books. So uh, everything is judged against that now. And I'm just like... Mm. So Zoe has opinions about you. I mean, it was, it was a fabulous David Lynch nonsense. Yep. But it was terrible because I, I have it never took them an hour the to get to Arrakis. Uh, I I do recommend the first book. Okay. The second book is also not bad. Second book's good. Second book's good. Third book, you need to mentally age up all the characters by <laughs> at least eight years, because if you think G.R.R. Martin has problems, right. yeah. that was G.R.R. Martin... That happened by accident because he expected Arya to be like 10 years older at this point and now creepy stuff is, stuff is happening. Whereas Frank Herbert did not Frank do it Herbert did this on purpose. Yes, so and you it's have to wrong make, and yeah. weird and creepy. And then the fourth one... Is garbage is and should garbage, go in the bin. garbage, 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 throw it in the bin, and that's where I stopped. Yep. Okay. See, like, I I only have the movie to go on for my, my review of Dune. So, again... <laughs> It's. I thought. I thought. I quite like this movie. It's. It's pretty good. Stig in tiny, shiny holographic pants. Yep. Ten out of ten. This movie is perfect. It's not ten out of ten because Sting was willing to do that nude, and Lynch wanted him to do oh. it nude, but the studio him. didn't let him do it nude, so it could have been better. Shit. Well, you just <laughs> ruined a perfectly good movie for me. <laughs> it's also the fact that that film covers like the first three chapters of a very long book in about an hour and a half. And then in about half an hour covers the rest of the book because someone in the production clearly went, if we keep going at this pace, we will take 10 years to make the film and spend all of the money on Earth. So we need to finish now. And isn't there like, yeah, isn't there like an original script or whatever it is of David Lynch's original vision for it that's probably out there Well, somewhere? Lynch's original cut of what was actually filmed is over four hours long. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> It's not out there. There is a made-for-TV extended version that's over three hours long, um, but even that doesn't cover everything Lynch filmed. But the what the resulting film is a massive hack job of them trying to complete the story in the last 30 minutes, and it, it kind of summarizes the entire courtship between uh, Paul and Gianni, which is a large part of the book, in a single shot where it half fades in a shot of the two of them kissing over a desert backdrop, briefly, that's their entire romance summarized. Right. <laughs> anyway, that's not the film we're talking about tonight. Is it not? Well, we can talk about It's, it's just an example of a bad film that I like. Yeah. Uh, but my, my point was basically that good and bad are entirely subjective terms, and therefore if you like a film, then to you it is a good film, and no one can take that away from you if that is what you choose to describe it as. Fair. However, what do we think? Would the film have been improved by actually leaning into a hard R rating? No. No. I think it was perfectly fine as it was. I think the sort of... The hard R rating is where it looked like it was going from 
the one trailer I saw of it. Mm. The the Turd in the Wind trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like if they'd gone with just that as their, their crux, then it probably wouldn't have been as enjoyable. Okay, now I'm not saying lean on the hard R as your gimmick. I'm yeah. saying don't shy away from hard R material the way Deadpool didn't. If they oh, had that freedom um, to go there if necessary in the script, what do we think? Because I'm I'm undecided mm. on this myself. Like yeah. part of me says they were definitely reeling stuff in for rating. Yeah. Uh, but another part of me says, what were they reeling in? I don't know if that would have improved it, depending on whether it's just gratuitous gore violence or that's pretty much all it would have been really. I mean, pretty much all the gore and violence was mostly just discretion shots. So mm. you know, Venom eats people, and that happens. Yep. Mm. Just not on. It's literally just off camera. Like in a lot of cases, you hear it, but you don't see it. Yes. So, you know, would the you know would seeing it really add anything? It would definitely have completely changed the tone of the film, because the tone of the film as it stands was Marvel movie of about fifteen years ago. <laughs> yes. Is that is like like that's a fair description of Venom? Like Venom, it would have been lauded by everyone as a fantastic movie if it had come out around about the time of Fantastic Four, Spider-Man 3, which yep. it feels like it was among those movies. Mm. It had a it had a lot of the similar beats to it as, as the sort of the the just pre-Marvel Studios movies. I don't disagree at all. I think that's a um, really good way of putting it. Yeah. Um which does not say, oh, it's only good by those standards and that's why it's trash, but we love it anyway. It's like it's just this kind of Hey, look, we can still make films like this. Not everything has to be this grand, epic, overarching storyline where you have to go and see Doctor Strange's uh, stinger before you can understand part of Avengers 3's midpoint plot. And like, oh, fucking <laughs> whatever. It was just a really, really fun standalone film that really harkened back to the days of X-Men and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah. To put it in comics terms, it's a really refreshing one-shot in the middle of a major crossover event. Yeah. Yes! Yeah! Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think, you know, I'm not sure it would have benefited. It's just obviously something you're going to address if you're talking about Venom, because it was hmm. walking that line. Um, but for me, it could have only benefited if it used the art in the way Deadpool did, because it's a comedy. Let's face yes. it, it's not a horror. As much as... It has roots in horror. It's a comedy. If they'd gone for the hard R route, I think they could have very easily have... They, I mean, I'm not saying this would have made it better or worse, it just would have made it very, very different. They could have really leaned into the body horror, the yes. alien contamination. They could have basically made it Marvel's universe, Marvel Universe's version of John Carpenter's The Thing. Well, yeah. Um, I know that when they were looking at potentially going for a higher rating... Mm. Uh, various people in the production were saying that their their big influences on the film were the thing and mm. John Carpenter in general and Cronenberg. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Cronenberg definitely because if you've got this kind of you know body contaminated by alien yes. or supernatural themes, like this is I, I, oh I've just realised this is what I did my dissertation on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it would have been a very, very different film. I'm not saying that would have made it better or worse, but it definitely, the fact that they leaned on more of a kind of, I think, that, yeah, in the, in the chat, and it's the best way to describe it, it is essentially a rom-com. It oh, is. Yeah. It is a rom-com. It's, yeah. it's a polyamorous rom-com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with aliens. 
Yes. Um, yeah, uh, that is a very interesting direction to go with it. It's not a flat-out comedy film like Deadpool. I mean, no. Chris, like, Deadpool is even, a comedy even, superhero action movie. Even in the movie, they call it out the the whole point of when Venom when Brock asked Venom what made him change his mind. It's like you did, Eddie. Yeah, I want. To, I'll come back to that in a bit. <laughs> as much as I love this film, that is part of the reason. That's part of the thing is I I dislike about the film, and I will come. But also why I like it. It's really complicated. My views about this film are fucking complex. Excellent. Um, but yeah, like equally, if you look at like the other R-rated um Marvel movie of the the here and now, Logan, mm-hmm. um, like that is very much a dark, um. Like it's it's I don't know what you describe that as. It's like a thriller. It's it's just a fucking depressing fucking movie. It's dark, but I have to say I really really liked it. Oh, what Logan? I think Logan is one of the best Marvel movies of recent years. I I'm really enjoying the way that Marvel are kind of flexing their sort of flexing some muscles and going right. What else can we do outside of the periphery of the big? Big plot. Well, I mean, the films that are flexing like that are the ones that aren't Marvel Studios movies. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like Marvel Studios has the the mainstream superhero movies so well defined and so packaged at this point that mm. people making Deadpool, Venom, Logan, they're saying, "What can we do that mm. isn't that? What can we do? What's our thing that we can draw people?" Yeah. That's why I'm really excited about the New Mutants because it it does look like. Hey, what if we did superheroes and mutants and you know the X Men universe, and did it in a horror movie style? Like, yeah, what, how how could we turn this towards a horror theme? So you have all these different things of like looking at Venom is is a weird fucking rom com. <laughs> Logan is this really depressing. Like, I think the only way you could describe it is like a gangland movie. It's it's. It's a gangland movie. It's a character piece more than anything. Yeah, it is a portrait of. A portrait of a dying hero, a man at the end of his heroism. I mean, yeah, Holy shit. he's done. You're, I've just realized now that's going to draw a whole lot of parallels between Logan and The Wrestler. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, they, they have Ooh. the same premise, yeah. pretty much. It's, it's someone who used to be a big hero, their life has gone to absolute shit. Nothing that they did matters anymore. And it's the portrait of how their life ends. Oh, God, that's very different. And then you've got Deadpool, which is a (laughs) hyper-violent, hyper-crude comedy action movie. Yeah. Series. Two two series. Duology. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So you've kind of got all these different things that don't add up together, but alone are so much fun. and Venom is this just kind of weird, like I said, rom-com, but also it's a superhero action movie, but with a character who is not, he, he is an anti-hero. Yes. But not in that kind of brooding, you know, trench coat wearing, uh, so many fucking Wolverine storylines of the early 90s. Um, he's an anti-hero in the sense of, right, I'm going to go do the right thing. I guess. Shit. Well, oh, God. I, I think it's because the classic anti-hero is all about inner conflict. It's mm. a person who has this capacity for violence, but 
also has this conscience, whether that's Punisher or Wolverine or whatever. And mm. and here, the reason that works is they're two different characters. Venom mm. is all capacity for violence. Mm. And then Eddie is the conscience going, oh God, please no. <laughs> and because they rely on each other, that inner conflict isn't inner anymore. It's it's external to both of them as characters, even if it's all going on in Eddie's head. Mm. Uh, so they show the conflict not by having the character brooding in shadows, but having ridiculous arguments. With himself. Which is uh, much more fun. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and, and just... You also have those moments, like you said, with, with the capacity for violence. You've got also the potential for violence in Eddie because you get those little flashes throughout the film where he is clearly a very angry man. Yes, but he is the kind of angry man who relies on passive aggression yeah, yeah. and bottling it up. He like It looks super unhealthy. It's the moment oh, where yeah. his... his, his um, What's it called? One of the, the people in the apartment is like blasting the music really loudly. And it's just neighbors. Like, that's the word. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> uh, I was like, roommate, no, flatmate, no, that's not what no, just just per person elsewise in the apartment place. Um, blasting all the music really loud. And it's you can just see him like the, the vein throbbing in his head as he's mm. just like just you know straining and like silently screaming in anger. It's like, oh, that does not look healthy. But it's super no. relatable. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> he is this kind of very ineffectually, pathetically angry man. Eddie on his own is very relatable because yeah. he, his life is kind of shit and it's partly for reasons of his own making and partly not. Yeah. And also, you know what he'd like to do about it, but he, he's not gonna because it wouldn't be smart. And everything about him is just like, yep, been there, been there, yeah. yep. mood. He he is a very good example of that whole, you know, if you can't do something smart, do something right. Hmm. He's like, I'm gonna do the right thing. Is it the is it a good decision? And is it gonna fuck me up short term and potentially long term? Yes, but it is still the right thing to do. Like, well, I guess I gotta fucking do it then. I'm gonna go and expose this business as being, you know, massively morally questionable. <laughs> oh, it's gonna fuck me up and I'm gonna lose everything, and it's also gonna fuck up everyone I care about. But I gotta do it. Like he is a very flawed good guy in that way. Mm, yes, and um, becomes increasingly flawed when, for those of un unfamiliar with Venom, when he encounters an alien symbiont which takes up residence in him. Uh, with it crawls up his ass. It, it does, <laughs> which has the the capability to sort of take over his body at times and the desire to eat. Well, pretty much everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. Chocolate and chicken nuggets. Was it chicken dippers or something like that? I don't know. I That's can't remember. Nuggets. Okay. But chocolate was um, definitely referenced because that's actually from the comics. Yeah, mm. like, the thing that symbiotes eat is essentially... Um, it's a it's brain hormone. It's adrenaline, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's it's um, uh, phenethylamine. Or something yeah. like that. I can't pronounce it's, it's, it. I know. I know it's present in adrenaline, or yes. something like that, which is why they basically it, it take over a human host and then force them to do incredibly dangerous things. Yes, and then feed off the adrenaline, like the insane the bike content. ride. Yes, yeah, yeah that's that, so that, good. That is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like the strands coming up and grabbing it back in. Oh man, 
the action in that is just really, really cleverly done because it's like, hey, let's mix together a little bit of comedy, a little bit of action, and a whole lot of body horror. Yes. Uh, and do something really weirdly fun. And then have him crash into a fucking car at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, and it helps that you've got someone like Tom Hardy in here because I. Tom Hardy is more actor than maybe a comic book movie needs, but that's why he's <laughs> such a good choice for it. You know what? He does not hold back on that. For, no. for saying, like, if we go back to an old, like an R-rated superhero, an R-rated Marvel franchise of the time period we were discussing earlier, where this would have fit, Blade. Yeah, like <laughs> we can definitely say Wesley Snipes towards the end of his career in Blade was definitely not there. <laughs> no. <laughs> They they digitally they digitally opened his eyes in Blade Trinity. Yeah. Like there there was a moment in Blade Trinity where he's lying on the ground having a conversation with someone, and his eyes look super weird and uncanny valley. And the reason is Wesley Snipes came in came onto set, lay down, and, and shut fell his asleep. eyes. Wait, well, didn't no, didn't fall asleep. Just lay down, shut his eyes, and refused to stand up or open his eyes for the remainder of like shooting that day. Wow, that's worse. Yeah. Jesus. That's it's actually like, worse. Like, he's like, no, I'm just going to do it here. Just work around me. And like, what, what the fuck? So they digitally added his eyes onto his eyelids, and for some reason, he delivers all of his dialogue from a lying down position in that scene. Blade Trinity is really fucking bad if you haven't seen it. Oh, it <laughs> is. It is terrible. Yeah. And hi, see you Wednesday. Yes, latecomers, always welcome. Absolutely. Um... But yeah, I mean, if you haven't already seen it, like Triple H is in that film. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, so is Ryan Reynolds. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's anyway. It's not a good film. That one, I think bad. we can agree on, is definitely a bad film. That is like, definitely. Bad. Blade Two was great, but like. <laughs> But here you've got Tom Hardy, who is thinking too much about the character. Like, there's I, there's a lot of interviews about who his influences were, who his inspirations were, mm. and I love all the stories about his weird insistence on improving weird stuff. Yeah, yep. like my favorite one of those being the scene where he goes into the restaurant. Yeah, uh, so he gets inside yeah. the lobster, and he gets tank. in the lobster tank because he thinks he's got a fever. And he just starts stripping off and sitting down in the lobster tank. That was entirely Hardy's idea, based on turning up to the set and going, "I could sit in that." Yep. Uh, they, <laughs> and just jittering they, and staring at people and grabbing a lobster. <laughs> they had to. Um, that the tank he actually gets in isn't the tank from the actual uh, restaurant itself. They because they didn't think it'd actually take his weight, mm, so mm, they had to build mm. a custom one for it. Yeah. So it, it wasn't a spur of the moment improv, but it was very much a Tom Hardy turning up and going, oh, I've got an idea. Because he yeah, said the first time. Okay. Do you reckon he said, can I sit in that? Or do you reckon he went to go and sit in it before they were like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Tom, you're a big lad. <laughs> I, I honestly, I could see it go either way. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love, I'd love to know. But, um, yeah. So he carries this movie because let's face it he plays both of the main characters yeah i didn't realize that he actually voiced venom yes uh doing a voice he says was inspired by james brown oh yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> james brown red man red man uh, was more character inspiration he said the, yeah. the the character was woody allen's character's neuroses yeah yeah <laughs> conor mcgregor's capacity for violence 
and Redmond's just energy being, the, being, <laughs> yeah. being there but not in his head yes <laughs> like james wait james brown was his inspiration for the venom voice yes like a lounge lizard like smooth talking type thing just <sighs> that that is incredible now i'm just thinking of just i'm just imagining venom now just going, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful he says, he said, he said, uh, I always saw Venom as a lounge lizard and Eddie Brock as an everyday kind of guy who's inherited this massive ego beast. Holy shit. I want to see, I want to see Tom Hardy play the R rated, uh, remake of the mask. Yes. <laughs> oh God. Make wow. it happen. Make, make it like the comic. <laughs> yeah. Don't make it better than the comic. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, that would, ouch. That would actually be pretty fucking uh, amazing. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm all on board for that. I mean, it would essentially be exactly the same film, just replace yeah. Venom symbiote with Magic Max. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. It would be pretty similar. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we've also got Riz Ahmed as the, the main mm. antagonist here. Mm. Who, I think this might be his best role? You reckon? I, I think so. I, did, I realize I may not have seen him in anything else. Like the only thing I think could come close was everyone in Four Lions was brilliant, but mm, I yeah. definitely prefer him in this to in Rogue One. I don't remember him in Rogue One. I know he was in it. There I you go. Remember him. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of my point. And I liked Rogue One. I just don't remember <laughs> who he was in it. He was Bodhi. You don't even remember who Bodhi was, do you? I don't remember anything about that film. I just remember liking it. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, if, if yeah. you don't remember him in it, then you probably prefer him in Venom. Yeah, very possible. Yeah. yeah, just looking through, like, yeah, no, I I see nothing in there that I think I've seen him in other than uh, Rogue One. This is the only film I've seen him in. Fair. So this is definitely your favourite Riz Ahmed role. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's very good. Yeah, um, excellent. It's the smarmy tech guy. He's he he's very much got the uh like I'm in charge stare down. Yes. But I, I'm I'm kinda loving that there is a now a Hollywood archetype um tech mogul villain. Yeah, <laughs> like it really worked in Ex Machina. It really worked here. Um, I, I kind of love that we're vilifying that now. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like I swear. I swear this is like a, a second sort of. Uh, this is like a new renaissance of of tech mogul villains. I swear we had some in the nineties as well. Probably it might have been, been Bond villains. Yeah, like, um, yeah. It's technically, Lex Luthor. Is well, yeah, Lex is the the classic yeah. archetype of it. Yeah. Uh, for sure, but it's definitely been sort of branching out into general Hollywood villainry lately. Yeah, uh, which I'm I'm all for. And mm-hmm. then uh, Michelle Williams as Anne, mm. who I think this might have been the first thing I've seen her in. Oh, just sure. looking through her filmography, there's nothing there that's familiar. I mean, don't totally get me wrong, she was in... she's done a lot, but <laughs> I've yeah. not seen it. She was in Dawson's Creek, but I didn't see that. 
Yeah, shit, I'm looking good. Now, oh, I saw Shutter Island. Was it good? Uh, that's not how I remember it. Oh, you're, I know a film you've seen her in. Yeah. She was in Brokeback Mountain. Oh. And I know you've seen that because I saw it with you. <laughs> Did you? Yes. When? We went to the Odeon together to watch that. No. No? No. That wasn't me. Well, that was... That was definitely you. It was no, not no, me. I remember. No, because it was back when Kaylee was working at the Odeon. She left us tickets behind the counter. I did. This is a long ass time that ago. That was a long ass time ago, but I have not seen that film in the cinema. Oh. So that was not me. It, I don't know but, who that was, but it wasn't me. It was the other Simon. <laughs> Wait, no, shit. There was another Simon back no, then. There so was. That, that joke, doesn't, uh, that joke yeah, doesn't work. That's true. Um, so, yeah. I don't know who you saw that with, but it wasn't me. Maybe it was my imagination. Could be. <laughs> I made an imaginary you. But yeah, I never got around to seeing that one in the cinema, so... Well, this isn't Halloween H2O. I've definitely not seen that. But she's in a lot of upcoming films. Mm. So she's definitely getting work. It's just, I don't know who she is. Oh, well, yeah, she was good. So she was that, good. That good. is true. Yeah. Absolutely. She deserves the extra work. The only film I've seen there in prior to this was Oz. The Great and the Powerful. Okay. Never saw that. She was alright. Is that the James Franco film? Yes. Yeah. It was okay. And beyond that, it's quite a lot of people uh, in smaller roles, because this is mm. quite a small, intimate film in terms mm -hmm. of who we follow. It's it's mostly those three. Yeah. Uh, most of whom I don't really know, with the notable exception of Woody Harrelson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who was in this film? Hey guys, I'm gonna be in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> and when I get out, it's gonna be character name. Yep. Uh, uh so yeah, it was it's like like I said, it's a small intimate piece. It's kind of a three-hander. There's a lot of incidental characters around the three of them, but it is the three of them, isn't it? Yeah. Or the five of them, I guess. <laughs> if you count oh, Riot yes, and Venom as separate characters. Yeah, I, I swear I spent a lot of that time going, am I really dumb and like losing all my nerd cred, or I've never fucking heard of Riot before? It's, uh, he, well, it is an original one for the film. Yeah. Yes. They, they didn't want to lean immediately into the other well-known symbiotes. Yeah, uh, I was wondering, because like, when you see all the other ones and you see the different colours on the thing, and I was like, oh. Could could that be? Uh, well, the other all their names. The other well known symbiotes are all offshoot of Venom. Mm. All yeah, his, all his, his children. Uh, all I remember is Shriek and Carnage. That's the only two I remember. You got, you got Carnage and Tox, uh, Toxic, and uh, Christ, there's loads. There are a lot. Uh, we don't Pops know if in, they will so. be spin-offs of Venom in this movie franchise, because there will be sequels. Woody Harrelson has promised. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Woody Harrelson doesn't lie. No, you can trust him, especially when he's he wearing that wig. I say, he doesn't lie or wear a wig well. <laughs> that is an honest wig, how dare you. <laughs> um, it was a clown wig! It, yes. <laughs> it was absolutely a clown wig. It was the best thing ever. And I hope they change nothing for the sequel. I hope, I hope he sticks with that. Um, 
Well, what was I saying? Yeah, we, we saw multiple symbiotes in this that weren't spin-offs from Venom. So there's definitely sources for yeah. other symbiotes in this franchise. Uh, but yeah, Riot was an original creation for this film designed to be a bigger, meaner, nastier symbiote than Venom, mm. uh, leading to one of my favorite little dialogues between the two of them. You know, where I come from, Eddie, I'm like you. I'm a loser. I am known as <laughs> I am known as a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I just adore Venom's reason for deciding to stick around and save the world is basically I'm awesome here. Yeah. <laughs> right. That that is a great character motivation, yeah, right? Absolutely. It's, it's essentially the Superman thing. Except that here. Superman is all about his whole Oh, I am the Superman, so I must turn my powers to good and protect because I can. You know, mm. it's my responsibility to use these powers to protect the innocent. Whereas Venom is like, I fucking rule here. Yeah, I can do whatever the hell I want. I'm going to save this planet so I can continue to be fucking awesome and eat everyone. <laughs> it's, it's the most honest motivation of a hero or anti hero in all of comic book movies. It's, it's, yeah, again, a conversation Rowan and I had when watching uh, Titans was Hawk and Dove. Mm. Character motivation. Do you want to be superheroes? Yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah. And that's a great, that's a great. I mean, and even more than that, like, it's, uh, it's more, do you want to beat up sex offenders? Well, yeah, yeah, but like the whole, the costume thing. Yeah. And, the, like, and if the we're going to do that, why don't we also put on costumes and have names yeah. and be awesome superheroes and then YouTube it? Uh, but yeah, it, it's an incredibly honest motivation. <laughs> Let's yeah. go beat the shit um, out of people in costume. It will be cool. I, it does bring in my one of my only two I can think of criticisms of the film. Okay. And that is scene missing. Yes. <laughs> right. The, I feel like the whole middle of that film was fucking missing. Because it's literally Venom. They, they realize Venom is killing Eddie. Like, him being inside yeah. Eddie is basically breaking down all of Eddie's organs. Yes. So they get him out. Yep. Right, and then he escapes. Yes. Right? That happened, and yes. Then, and then he makes a tearful reunion via via Eddie's ex. Yep. And they get back together, and then he's doing the whole... Which does mean we got to see Lady Venom, which was awesome. That yeah. was very cool. That was the thing I noticed a lot of people getting upset about pre before the movie came out was having Eddie and Venom, like, separately ta talking. Mm. And all we saw was, you know, Venom had titties. And we were like, <laughs> wait, are they going to try and do this? And it, they can't have it just be Venom and Eddie having this conversation. Like, they have to try and play off the sexual tension by, you know, feminizing Venom. But then watching the film, like, oh, no, it's actually, Venom is actually symbi sim symbioting with Anne. So yep. that works. Um where was I going with this? Oh yeah. So basically they have that conversation and then they fuse together again. And then it's the whole here. I am not a loser. And you made me want to save the world, Eddie. Like there is a big fucking gap <laughs> missing <laughs> where going from Venom is the villain. He is killing Eddie to Venom is the hero. He, Eddie made him want to save the world. There's got, there's got to be a scene on the fucking cutting room floor Somewhere between Venom killing Eddie and Venom possessing the tiny dog. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got to be the time when he's possessing Anne, and he's probably getting from Anne all the good points that Eddie has <laughs> done. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that's the bit that brings you know brings Venom round the go. Right. Which means we, yeah. Yeah, which means we could have had a scene with Anne and Venom having a conversation. We could have. Mm. That would have been that great. And it would have actually codified the fact that this is Venom has been inside Eddie's head and seen Eddie the way Eddie sees Eddie. And yeah. then is inside Anne and sees Eddie the way Anne sees Eddie. And that would have been a really interesting motivation for his change of heart. Yeah. Mm. But we don't get that. No. <laughs> which means we should get an extended Venom cut. That would be great. That would be cool. I would like to see an extended cut of this film, because you're right, yeah. it does feel like there's some motivation stuff missing in the middle somewhere. Yeah. And then the other, the other, flo- the other floor I find in the film is like literally one of the fucking neck beardiest me looking at it and going, <laughs> I think you're actually fine. <laughs> they, were, they were really picking and choosing when and where Venom was weak to fire. Yeah. There are so many instances of him just going straight through fire and going, ah, I don't give a shit, and carrying on through it. And then later on going, oh, no, fire, bad. Oh, I'm losing all my strength. Like, hang on a fucking minute. You walked through a fire before. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you can say that of a lot of human characters in a lot of things, is we are weak to fire as a species. Yeah. But there are a lot of films where people dive through fire or run through fire Hanging around in fire, very bad for us. Yes. We are, you can however, as, as, muster up the courage to dive through a wall of flame in an action sequence. But as vulnerable as we are to fire, like it's the thing about the symbiotes is they're even worse off. Like yeah. it's it's like Martians in DC, like even extreme it, like being near fire, like the heat that radiates off of fire, like really fucks with them and it goes onto like a primal level and makes them freak out, like sound does, you know, the whole rippling Mm. off the body. Speaking of which, I was more annoyed actually by the MRI because MRIs don't make sound. (laughs) But uh, like that, you know, when they put him in the MRI machine and it it drives Venom insane because of the high frequency sound. And I'm like, not how an MRI works, guys, but okay, go off, I guess. I mean, maybe... uh... I'm trying to think of like vibrations and stuff like that as a thing, but you know, there's probably no way of working around that. It's it's just to suspend your disbelief. It's a comic book thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. They do that maybe, in comics. They, they, maybe it's a thing that we don't actually know about symbiotes because it's not come up yet. Is that they're actually you know a a um they, they're actually a metallic based life form. Right, it certainly seem to be. Form. Yeah, so maybe that would fuck them up. Maybe if you went into an MRI. Maybe there you go. It's just never come up before because oh. we've never had Venom versus Magneto. In in the comics, they've been, they've they've gone back to the planet of the symbiotes, and they're actually a peaceful race. Yeah, the ones that go out into space are dickheads, but the ones on the actual planet are fine. Well, it's, it's it's the it's becoming it's who they join with. Yeah, affects them. Like there isn't there like a, there's a big split between the ones that want to go out into the galaxy eating everything and yeah. like just getting high off of um, intelligent life and the ones who are yeah. pretty chill actually the ones who are pretty chill and want and still want to combine with other races but so that they can kind of learn more like a, like a very chill version of the board. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, I am also currently writing a um, a next gen uh, Venomverse crossover. Okay, huh? So symbiotes and the Borg. What would happen if? That's horrifying. It is. It really is. Um, so yeah. V- symbiotes, fire, noise. Are they made of metal? Who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> where was I going with this? I have this? no idea, but I want to see where it uh, leads. But yeah, R- Riot was pretty cool. 
Um, as a as a huge hench silver symbiote goes, who can fire off spikes? Yeah, in a sort of projectile kind of, attack of a, method. Had kind of like a carnage style thing because wasn't like bladed blades. Yeah. Yeah. This whole yeah. um, gimmick, which is why I was confused and thought it was carnage for a little bit. And yeah. I was like, why have they made carnage sort of gunmetal? I'm glad it wasn't. I'm glad like, it wasn't. Yeah, they, they, there's that bits of that is clearly going to spill over into carnage. Yeah. Um, how, did, did they blow up Riot in the end, or did Venom absorb some of him in the end? No, he was in the rocket. He was exploded. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think, because Carnage comes from Venom. Yeah, so I've got the family tree here. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, my God. The names are amazing. Uh, Riot is actually one of Venom's uh, children, one of his offspring. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, they changed it for the movie, sort of. Thing. Yeah. But so you got Venom at the top. Yep. And then from there, he has his offspring are Carnage, Scream, Lasher, Phage, uh, Agony, and Riot. And then from from there, you've got uh, Carnage gives us Toxin, Scorn, and Raze. Mm. And then Lasher, Phage. Agony and Riot fuse become hybrid. Mm. And there's one other. Oh. We don't count anti-venom in there. The, the only other one is a clone of Venom who is called Mania. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, Wait, that, I, that's the Venom tree. I remember hybrid, yeah. Mm. Um, so it's Scream, not Shriek, my bad. Yeah. Because um, Lasher, Phage, Agony and Riot were all... So in... The canon of the comics, the offspring of a symbiote is far stronger than the symbiote before it. Because it sort of picked up everything from its mm. progenitor. Yeah. And yeah. But Lasher, Phage, Agony, and Riot are not. Something was not quite right gotcha. with their, their, their birth, as it were. Right. And that's why they end up fusing in to become hybrid. Hmm. There you go. And also, going yeah. back to what we were saying earlier about how this feels like a throwback to the sort of pre-MCU Marvel movies. Um, I mean, production on this did start directly following from Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Really? Yep. And yeah. that's when they wanted to do it, uh, but they couldn't get Topher Grace back. Uh, and then, of course, Sony zigged and did the amazing Spider-Man movies, mm. which cancelled that. But then they said that they were going to do a... Venom versus Carnage movie as a spin-off from that franchise. I remember Venom versus Carnage being on the cards a few years. Yes, back. and then yeah. Marvel decided to buddy up with Sony on Homecoming, which mm. sidelined that project, and then it started as it is now as a okay. Well, we'll 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 still want to do a Venom movie, uh, so we'll start again. Um, but it has its roots like way back in Spider-Man Three. So it is a spin-off from those movies in a very real way. And no dancing down the street in sight. <laughs> and also another fun thing, I, I described Tom Hardy as more actor than the movie required, but like very welcome to have him here. Same true for the visual effects in this movie. Yeah. The visual effects guy on this film, Paul Franklin, uh, if, if you're a fan of visual effects, you might recognize that name because he's an Oscar winner. Uh, for the effects in Inception and Interstellar. 
Wow. Uh, so that's the caliber we're talking about here for the visual effects guys. So there's a reason it looks pretty. Because it does yeah. look pretty. And in a gruesome, grotesque kind of a mm -hmm. way. Also, of course, fun fact, that's not the first time he's worked with Tom Hardy. Of course, because, <laughs> you know, being a, a um, Christopher Nolan joined person. Yep. yep. He is one of those guys that has his guys. Isn't oh, he? yeah, for sure. Like, he is very much a family caster. I don't think he might get involved with I'm sorry to think, like, it all knocks into one another, and then you get a Christopher Nolan Venom film Hi, with Michael Caine. Hello. Are you going to just show your beautiful face on the screen? No, he's just showing his beautiful <laughs> back. Um, and to answer a couple of the chat room questions, no, not seen Doom Patrol yet, but I want to. I didn't realise it was out. Uh, apparently. And huh. has there ever been a DC-Marvel crossover? And if not, can you see one happening? Well, in the comics there have been. Yes, it was awesome. Uh, well, it was, yeah, it it was, was awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. It yeah. was a thing. Um, I'm not sure we'll see another one anytime soon. And in the movies, definitely not. Like, for so many yeah. reasons, mostly licensing. Uh, Warner Brothers <laughs> will protect what they have jealously. Um, that said, you'll see a lot of name dropping. Oh, yeah. Things between the two, which is quite interesting. Yeah, there's, there's certainly some sort of respect between the two for the name drops. Yeah. But... An actual crossover in the movie universe? I don't see it happening. I, I would like to see it happening, but it's not going to happen. I I can imagine in our lifetime there will be potentially a merger. Hmm. Interesting thought. I mean, D Disney's behind Marvel now. That there's a lot of money there. I'm not saying that you know D that DC doesn't have the money backing and that they wouldn't be able to sort of hold their own in a potential hostile takeover. Um, but like. I just think in our li in our lifetime we'll probably see a merger of the, the, the big comic giants. That's a really interesting thought. Um, in in the same way that we we saw in our lifetime, you know, WWF, WCW, yeah. and ECW. Yeah. Um, and then for a little while things were a bit weird, yep. but now we're having this resurgence of indie stuff. So, you know, I reckon it'll probably happen. Um. Whatever form it takes, whether that be a merger, whether it be you know one company like losing all of its best people to the other, and what happens with the movie, the the movie versus going forward, because I've got this definite feeling that things are going to reach a breaking point after a while. Because the reason people stopped, not you know everyone, but like the reason comics have sort of been taking a bit of a bad turn recently, is because there is this drive that if you want to understand what's going on in this issue of this comic you need to read this issue of this other comic and that storyline from this trade paperback so that you can understand what this character's motivations are and you're kind of getting a similar thing in the joined up marvel movies slightly less so in dc but definitely more so in marvel that's um, fair but i mean that's yeah. one of the reasons a lot of comics readers have been moving to books by image um and you know other publishers uh hmm. there's there's a lot of good stuff happening outside of marvel and dc now yeah, uh, yeah there's definitely some truth to that but even i think marvel and dc are recognizing that there are books in both companies lineups that do not require that sort of cross book knowledge yeah definitely the core ones like the justice league characters and the avengers characters and the x-men characters you're going to get a lot of that crossover stuff 
yeah. because they're so yeah. closely integrated as characters. But a lot of the fringier stuff can be read pretty much in isolation. Yeah, I'm just thinking for like the main, you know, the summer blockbuster movies. I think it's 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 all right at the moment, but I'm I'm visualizing in the next five years or so, it could reach a point where they're going to need to do something. Whether the the way that the company seem to work on both accounts is hard reset on <laughs> yes uh, universes. Some so harder I'm hoping than it others. It doesn't come to that. Yeah, so I'm hoping it doesn't come to that for the mo- the movie verse. Well, I mean, the movie verse has got to have. Uh a lifespan um yeah i mean you look at spaghetti westerns they had their time then they went away they were everything and then they weren't yeah uh there are definitely the 90s action movie action hero blockbuster was a thing then it wasn't uh now we've got the comic book movies they're the thing sometime soon they won't be disaster movies yes absolutely there was a, a big run of disaster movies post-apocalyptic was a thing for a good long while Mm. uh this has got a lot of legs because there's so much source material like once you've got kaden kaden once you've got got my cat um once you've got the license there's so much source material you can and i don't mean this dismissively it sounds it but crank them out marvel have got a formula and it's a good formula and it's making movies i'm enjoying but it's a formula Mm. And they are on a production line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that that is a strategy that has a sort of natural self-limiting quality to it. Because unless you mix up that formula, you're going to get to the point where... And I'm already reaching this point, where there are going to be movies that suddenly slip by the way. I've not seen either of mm. the Ant-Man movies. I've not seen the second one, and I wish I hadn't seen the first one. <laughs> and I don't really intend to uh and so there are now movies coming off this production line that i'm like well we'll just let that one fall by the wayside i don't need to see that one yeah Uh, and as it continues there's going to be more of those and fewer of the must sees until eventually none of them are must see then we'll probably see a little bit of a rest from comic book movies i suspect yeah this is what i mean it's just like it's going to reach a breaking point eventually um, whether it comes before or after they reach this whole like releasing a fucking movie every month. Kind of thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, maybe the going straight to digital streaming services will be, that'll take over from the movies yeah, could do. As, a, as its main thing. Um, they're definitely hedging their bets with that, both, both companies. Um, so yeah. Like I could, I, I'm glad Star Wars as a franchise is not looking at doing more than one movie in a year. Yeah. Because that keeps it special. Hmm. But if Marvel took their current lineup and decided to do one per year, then they wouldn't need to make another movie for a decade. (laughs) Yeah. And most of their actors, because they'd all have to be in the same thing, going on the same storyline. Well, you could could film them all back to back and then just... Oh, drip yeah. feed them out so by the time like the last avengers movie comes out you know chris evans is retired but mind mind you that's actually going to be true anyway uh, yeah he wants to get into directing yes. now which is quite interesting yeah, yeah and although he's been saying that for a while now well yeah I, I imagine it's one of those things like even if you really want to get out of acting and into directing i i suspect the marvel disney paychecks make it a a conversation you have with yourself at length rather than an easy decision yes. <laughs> mm, absolutely um 
and yeah, the um, I'm trying to think from, from like the DC side of things as well, like still going. Mm-hmm. These films are still coming. Shazam! Shazam yes! looks good. I'm really excited. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking so excited. Shazam and Wonder Woman 1980s. I like the look yes. of both of those yeah. a lot. And nothing else DC are doing in cinema interests me. Oh, wait, no, 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 sorry. Uh, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I will also go and see um, pretty much opening. I was like, is that a movie? Yes. I thought it was going to be a TV No, series. that is a movie, and it's a it's a Margot Robbie-led project, basically. She was Ooh. like, I don't want to do a Harley solo movie, because they were pitching it to her. She yeah. was like, Harley doesn't do solo. And said, she, it should be an ensemble piece. And they said, well, do you have any ideas? And she's like, well, I do have this script and this director who has agreed to work with me and some sort of costume sketches. And here's a bit of principal photography we did. And they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess do that then. Um, yeah. So I really like the <laughs> idea of someone who has a passion for the character and seems to get the character actually yeah, getting the lead on that one. As, as much as I don't really care for Harley Quinn as a character, like... I really, Ky- really Kyrie, there are people some... listening. You can't say things like I that. Know. You take your <laughs> life in your hands. <laughs> I know. But like, I'm really, really happy to see someone who is very, very passionate about this sort of character. And really go, I have a lot of things I want to bring to this. Like, it's really nice to see that when you, when you see it in a particular actor um, going towards their role. Well, and also um, it's a Birds of Prey movie, uh, which yes, is yeah. excellent because I like all of those characters. I, I like everything... Mm that's involved here so that's definitely one i'm going to go and see and as for marvel uh yeah the next avengers movie i will watch because it closes out the storyline arc of the avengers and captain marvel i will watch because it's captain marvel Mm. other than that far from home dark phoenix dark phoenix maybe i don't know yeah i'm i'm still really confused by the goddamn x-men universe at the moment like, it started in the 60s, and now it's the 90s, but they all look exactly the same. No yeah. one has aged. Quicksilver <laughs> is in his 50s now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Like, I mean, I was never hugely invested in X-Men as a comic book franchise. I, I read mm. them from time to time. I liked them. But to me, X-Men was the animated series. Yeah. And yeah, none of the movies yeah. have ever been as good as the animated series. Exactly. Not even X2. X2 was... Maybe the closest, Close. but yeah. none of yeah. them. None of them are the animated series. None of them are that no. beast. That beast is the best beast. Uh, really? Even Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer's fine, but he's not that beast. He's not oh, animated series no. beast. He's the best yeah. beast. Okay, yeah, <laughs> fair, fair point. Yeah, I was like, Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, the X Men movies, mm, they're fine. I'll. Maybe I'll see it, maybe I won't. Let's see if people love it or don't. Mm. Uh, Squirrel Girl, I would watch if they did it, absolutely. I would go see that in a heartbeat. This cat is right here, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's going to be like the saving grace is as the mainstream formula starts to wind down, it's what we were saying before. We've got Deadpool, we've got Logan, we've got Venom. Uh, there, there will still be room for these stories to tell around the mainline. Like I would say Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn 
is almost like DC's answer to these sort of side projects of Marvel's, even though it's still being done by Warner Brothers, because they don't have the Kevin Feige Marvel Studios homogenous production teams on everything. Mm. It's kind of their stepping outside of the mainstream storylines and giving it to... It's, it's almost an indie movie when you look at the people involved in the production of it. Yeah. It's a very different thing to what they were trying to do with Justice League. So I'm hoping it is more interesting than what they did with Justice League. <laughs> um, I, the, the main issue is, if we go and watch Birds of Prey, then I've got to explain to Rowan why Hawkgirl is not in a show in, in a movie called Birds of Prey. <laughs> and I'm going to get upset about that as well. <laughs> I see your point. Now, if you're listening out there, DC, put her in there. I know she doesn't fit with that At particular all. sort of set of like, <laughs> she, she would have no place in that lineup. But, but hear me out. She's not in anything else, and she fucking needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, there is also that Joker film. Oh, uh, is there though? Oh, uh, oh, is there not? I keep hearing rumors about it getting cancelled and then reset and cancelled. Like, are these rumors being started and killed by Joaquin Phoenix? Well, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's not in it either way. Really? Yeah. But wait, what? But he was. I know, right? What the fuck? Like, I DC seem really hot and cold on making a Joker movie. What what are the latest uh, gee, rumors? I, yeah. Um, currently on, but we'll right. see. <laughs> it, does it, does, is it currently Phoenix? Uh, currently, yes, from what I can tell. Right, yes. Okay. But whether it will actually happen, who knows? Uh, like they've DC have definitely said it's a standalone thing. It's not yeah. part of the main DC movies franchise. So it's just, no. it's a movie yeah. about the Joker. It's nothing to do the with the DC movies. No, the premise is, is in 1981, a failed stand-up comedian dis, uh, disregarded by society uh, that he lives in turns to a life of crime and chaos in Gotham City. So that's if, the, we, the if we're counting Logan, Venom, and such as one-shots in the middle of a crossover event... Joaquin mm. Phoenix's Joker is a what if in the DC right. terminology, i.e., a story you can 100% ignore at your legend. Uh, leisure, not legend. <laughs> I am legend. I am legend. <laughs> um, uh, it, so it's sort of that will probably then take on from the sounds of things an 80s crime thriller. Yeah. So, like a Goodfellas or a. Which might not be terrible. Whatever. I mean, it probably, it probably will, will be, be. But, it, but it might not. It has, it has the option to not be terrible. Whether it will take yes. that option, we can't say. Uh, yeah, or Elseworld, uh, to give it its other oh. terminology, yes. Do the Elseworld for everyone as a pirate. Uh, there are better Elseworlds they could do, as Zoe is saying off camera. Off mic. Did you just say Emperor no, no, Joker? better Elseworld Jokers. Uh, oh, such okay. as there's Bianca. there's Bianca Steeplechase, is mm. the best Elseworld Joker. There's is that the Gotham by Gaslight? No, no, that's the no. Um, that's the one where Bianca is um, a woman and is the Joker, but is still with Harley Quinn. 
who was a school girl. Uh, I really like that storyline. There's also the Elseworld, of course, where Martha Wayne is the Joker. Yeah, was, is that an Elseworld? Or is that just, oh, that was, that was just, Flashpoint, um, wasn't it? Flashpoint. Flashpoint. Yeah, I think that it's was. been done as both, but it was yes. it was definitely a Flashpoint. You're right. Um, but yeah, um, Birds of Prey is interesting. It's got Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it as Huntress, which is interesting casting. Ooh. And she really fucks up my YouTube searches when I'm trying to search for Mary Elizabeth. <laughs> Sorry, that's, all, that's the only thing I know about well, Mary Elizabeth. They're both Winston. cool, uh, but they yeah. are not the same person by any no. means. <laughs> Ewan McGregor is in it as Black Mask. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Like I said, I think this film has Ooh. the potential to be a bit of a sleeper. Uh, like, mm. a lot of people haven't picked up on it yet. But, yeah, Ewan McGregor as Black Mask. Like, that's... How are more people not going, I want to see that? That's interesting. Mm, isn't it, though? I want to see Ewan McGregor's Black Mask. And they've also got uh, Zaz as a villain in there as well. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I know, right? No, 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 no. Um, and that's Chris Messina is playing Zaz there. Um, but, uh, of course, the, the main birds of prey are Huntress, Black Canary, Montoya. Uh, Cassandra Kane is also credited here. So that's an interesting addition into that lineup. And of course, Harley's there too. So even if you're not a big Harley fan, there might be something in that for you. Even if it is just Black Mask. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I'll probably, I will, I will end up going and seeing it anyway. Mm. So, you know. Black Canary, Huntress, Renee Montoya, Cassandra Kane. Yeah. And yes, they are all cast. Uh, so Huntress is Mary Elizabeth Winstead, as I said. Black Canary is Journey Smollett-Bell. Um, Montoya will be played by Rosie Perez. And uh, Cassandra Kane is further down the cast sheet. See full cast, click link. Uh, Ella J. Basco, who I don't know, but was... Uh, she's largely been a TV actress. So it's a bit of a first-timer for her. Mm. And okay. it's being directed by Kathy Yan, uh, the second woman to direct a comic book movie, I believe. And uh, again, you know, a bit of a... Like I said, it's got an indie movie feel here because she's got five directorial credits, including this film, three of them shorts, and one of them Dead Pigs, uh, which is Ooh. very much an indie film. Yeah, <laughs> certainly sounds it. So it's it's going to be a very different feel to most comic book movies, I think. And yeah. if you want to see kind of the visuals of it, they did release a teaser of the actors as the characters they're going to portray. Like there's zero storyline in it. It's literally almost fashion shoot shots of the actors in character. And that's all the yeah. teaser is. Uh, but just the style and feel of that has made me go, oh, this is unlike any other comic book movie coming out at the moment. Show me more. Cool. But that's not Venom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've... Shit, where we really went off. off I'll be honest, thing. I prefer episodes like this where we go wildly tangential rather than just recap what happens in a film. Like, that's, that can be fun too, but I prefer these yeah. conversations around a subject. If you want to know what happens in Venom and you haven't seen it yet, go and see it. Yet. I mean, there's also the point that to recap the film, like, 
aliens, symbiotes, land on Earth. One of them goes in Riz Ahmed, one of them goes in Tom Hardy. The Riz Ahmed one is an asshole, and the one that goes in Tom Hardy is an asshole, but with a bit of a conscience coming from Tom Hardy, and they fight. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of the whole plot. It's, <laughs> it's pretty boss. Well, that's the whole thing. When, when Riot appears first time in the film, he 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 is hopping from body to yes. body. Oh, yes, yeah. Like a proper virus, just like yeah. literally spreading like a disease. And the the pilot, the, the astronaut he was in at the start is... G. Jonah Jameson Jr. Yeah, yeah, it's John Jameson. Yes. And uh, as like, a little nod ah, back to plus, the comics. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, he died. He did. Nice. <laughs> Wait, I just realized I've not been paying attention and I didn't see Amazing Spider Man. Have they ever cast J. Jonah Jameson when it wasn't uh, fucking, what's his name? The, the yellow Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um,. But I know IMDb can search for character name as well as uh, actors. Yeah. Uh, but apparently not. Um, uh, and I know he's been in other things as well. I can't, I don't have to just get him as the the yellow Eminem. Yeah, he has been in other things, or, but I or J angry drum teacher from sorry J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. That's, that's the thank, one. You. thank you. Yes, J.K. Simmons is his name. Uh, let's see if I can reverse engineer this by finding one of his appearances as J. Jonah Jameson, and then clicking on the character link to go to the character page of J. Jonah Jameson, and I'm just saying what I'm going to do, because I'm vamping while I do it. J. Jonah Jameson does not have a character page on... IMDb, you're fucking broken. I'm looking at... <laughs> Maybe he is the only live-action J. Jonah Jameson. But what about cartoon J. Jonah Jameson's? Because I'm, I'm literally looking at a cartoon he voiced, and I'm going through, and like, Peter Parker, here's the character page, Luke Cage, here's a character page, Nick Fury, Nova, Iron Fist, White Tiger, Flash Thompson, Doctor Octopus, Reach J. Jonah Jameson, he's the first one that doesn't have a character page. Then uh. Aunt May, Phil Coulson, Norman Osborn doesn't, Kurt Connors, Mary Jane, Iron Spider, Hulk, Scarlet Spider, Stan the Janitor, but that's Stan Lee, so... Kane Marco, Taskmaster, Armin Zola, Cloak, Captain... Ar like, Osborne and Jameson aren't worthy of a character page, IMDb? There we go. I've, I've looked it up on, on the wiki. Uh, he is only played by J. Jonah Jameson in the live-action movies. You mean J.K. Simmons? And he... <laughs> <laughs> he is J. Jonah Jameson! <laughs> and, and uh, he, like, he's referenced to in Amazing Spider-Man 2, but no, never seen. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, so far, J.K. Simmons is the only movie live-action uh, J. Jonah Jameson. It's oh, that the right way around, right? I didn't know that. The, the you know, the, the J. Jonah Jameson that appears at the end of Into the Spider-Verse? Yes. For, that, for that bit. That was voiced by Stan. Oh. 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 That's pretty great. That's, oh. That's adorable. I love that. Which one of them point first? <laughs> Spider Man point first. <laughs> what the fuck was that movie? Amazing. It was it great. It was so Absolutely. good. And if you want to know more about it, look at the 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 second episode released by us in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> There's been like one other person that has portrayed Jay Jonah back uh, for TV. 
uh, way back when. Uh, back in the si- no, that's the animated one. Uh, the nineteen seventies, the Amazing Spider-Man TV series. David Science. White. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a long time ago. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man is not Venom. But they are <laughs> but he connected. Was. And yeah. he was. He was and, Venom well, the once. reason Venom looks like that, not in the movie, yeah. but in, in no, comics history, go, yeah, it, is, is because yeah. uh, it's a black corruption of the Spider-Man suit. Yeah, well, it's sort of, yeah, because Peter puts it on when he's in a space prison or something. I, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> I remember a lot of people talking about that when they the saw the trailer and Venom was off shooting off his tentacles and mm. whatnot. I was like, but but he only has those because he bonded with Spider-Man and he learned the whole web shooting thing. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. He's a weird alien slug monster. Like He doesn't have to get around normal ways. He can do what he likes. I'm not going to tell Venom what he can and cannot do. <laughs> That seems fair. Yeah. But I, all that talk about J. Jonah Jameson, not entirely inappropriate, because, of course, Eddie is a journalist in Venom, who is down yes. on his luck. And he used to work for the he Daily He did. Google. Does not anymore. Doesn't work for no. any fucker anymore, because it's established a little early on that his principles are worth more to him than the betterment of his lifestyle. Uh or, or his, his common, common sense. sense, which, you know, gives us a good foreshadowing of why he will turn Venom into an anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the, the premise on which the entire movie is based. That's how he meets Venom, is continuing to push a story he should have dropped. Mm. Yeah. So that is who Eddie Brock is in this film. Um, neutral good is not neutral stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is really the evolution from Eddie as a neutral good individual to a chaotic good collective or a chaotic neutral collective really if venom has his way yeah like he'll might save your life might eat your might head. save your life then eat your head yeah yeah Cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I killed it by talking about head eating. I'm sorry. I, I feel oh like that covers god. it. Yeah. Oh god. So, do we have anything else we want to add about Venom, or is there anything else the chat room would like to ask us about to send us off on a wild tangent? It were really, it were good. really good. Despite all the reviews, it was very good. Like. If you're going to read a review, I find I have to do this with a lot of films now, which is if you're going to read a review, read a review by just some, either someone you know or just a randomer. Mm. Don't read a review by someone who gets paid to write film reviews. No. Because, <laughs> like, it, we've noticed it go, like, there's been a big, big schism between those two with a lot of big movies recently. I find, to be honest, I, I have reviewers individual reviewers whose opinions I often find I align with and I will follow them. That's a a good tip is to cultivate yourself a pool of reviewers whose interests seem to align with yours. So look at their reviews of films you know your opinion on and go, oh, I agree with this. Um, Or, oh, they completely missed it as far as I'm concerned. And then 
establish who you like the reviewing work of, uh, and then when you want opinions in future, you can go to them, knowing that you're usually aligned. Because for the most part, movies are like they're a consumable, fun thing for the most part. You shouldn't. This is like one of those few occasions where you should absolutely have an echo chamber for this kind yes. of thing. Find people whose opinions you agree with on movies. Listen to them before sort of listening to the other people on a, on a film. Like, mm. if you disagree with them, that's fine. But, like, don't get all sort of worried about it if, if like, you see 99% of all film critics say, oh, this film is terrible. And, I mean, it's my know, tip for all media. Movies, TV, music, yeah. video games, whatever. Uh, find the people whose opinions you share and listen mm. to them. When it comes to the movie reviews for me, it's uh, a mutual friend of ours from up north that um, does does no spoiler reviews for everything he sees, and pretty much everything he's I've seen based on his reviews has been spot on. I know who you mean, but all of his reviews I've seen that I can think of are literally they all seem to be movie reviews of sequels. And every single one starts with, if you like the first one, you'll like this. I mean, it's hard to go far as wrong a, with that as a comment. It's, it's, not, a, it's not wrong. It's absolutely no. not wrong. We are uh, self-centered about Wreck-It Ralph go, 2 earlier in this episode. Yeah. yeah. So I've just started noticing, go, hang on a minute. <laughs> you think a lot of stuff that, as of late, has been sequels. Yeah, most franchises are that. sequels. Yeah. Yeah. So it's either... Even, like, the individual films in between then... Kind of is, yeah. And there's there's something to say for like you know I mean cult films are essentially by their definition you know movies that critics have usually panned but have gained a big fan following regardless. <laughs> yes. David Lynch's Dune. Uh, was... <laughs> yes. <laughs> massive critical um, failure, massive box office failure, but there are those of us who love it. I was gonna say something like um, the, the Crow. Crow. Excellent example. Blade Runner. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Blade Runner was a huge failure at the cinema. Mm. If you if you try and find like reviews from the time um, about various films that are really big and, and popular now, you might be very very surprised. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Have we ramped enough to sort of generate some time for people to give us No, questions? no questions, but I do want to just respond to Athiren's uh, It's all down to Patrick Stewart. Dune, that is, not Blade Runner. That is true, but I would fucking love to see Patrick Stewart in Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Playing Pris. Yes, obviously. I can't think who else <laughs> Stewart would play. <laughs> he would be so good in a Blade Runner film. Or I forgot what her name is now. The replicant that like runs through all the smashing Zora. glass panes as she runs through it. Zora, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I have a horrible feeling like the natural fit for him would either be Leon or um, the police captain. But mm. neither of those roles are large enough for a man of Pat Stu's caliber. So yeah, let's let's yeah. go with Press and keep Roy Batty as Roy. <laughs> I keep. Um, Ruggahauer as Roy, and and He's have Ruggahauer and yeah. Patrick Stewart play off each other as Roy and Press. That I would, ooh, I'd pay good money for that. 
And the best part is that Rutger Hauer now looks like a replica that of is true. Down. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I, I realize that sounds that sounds like an absolute massive insult. It's it's really not that that like that came off way too. In fairness, mean, that was true like, of Harrison Ford in Blade Runner twenty forty nine as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, like they they've aged in in such a way that you could make them up to look yes, good, yes, put it that way. I think that's, I think that's a nice way of saying it. I'm thinking specifically Rutger Hauer in like Sin City yep. and um, Hobo with mm. a Shotgun, and I'm sure he's been in good things. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's that's unfair. Those films aren't. You know, I'm just gonna stop here. <laughs> well, Sin City is a very well-made film. It is a Rodriguez yes, film. Ver- to its yes, core. There you go. It's a Rodriguez film. Uh, it yeah. just happens to be an almost shot for shot remake of a Frank Miller work, but it is pre wacky right wing gun nut Miller. It's just the problematic misogyny and hyperviolence Miller, which is the better yeah. Miller. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you look, it, you look back at it and go, ooh, this hasn't aged necessarily great now that we know a bit more about the world we live in. Mm. But that doesn't. You can still watch, I guess, out of I think it's still a go. good film, and I I will support the Sin City books yeah. by and large. Uh, they're not free from their issues, but what media is? Uh, very little. Yes, yeah. As long as you're going into it with an an eye open to the drama and problems around it, then it's still its own thing. Yeah. Oh, yes. Now there's a question from the chat room we can talk about. How do we feel about the Picard series that's coming? The what? There is a Star Trek series following Picard, mm. starring Patrick Stewart, coming. Uh, I'm all about this. Uh, we know very little about it, if, I, if I'm honest, but we do know Patrick Stewart is on board to resume the role of Picard in an ongoing series centred around Jean-Luc Picard. And I demand, I demand so he has opinions. it be the one that Tumblr kept insisting be a thing where he retires to the vineyard and then solves Midsummer Murders <laughs> style crimes <laughs> with a small French and girl. Solves, and to be honest, I'm all about that. Like, everything like a with child. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would be so for that. Like, it doesn't have to be spaceships. It just has to be set in that world. So, yes. Detective Jean-Luc Picard on his vineyard, or like lean into his archaeology. Hmm. That's it. That's his thing. Whatever you do, don't he's got a tomb raider. In, just, just don't lean into the flute playing. That's all I'm just saying. You're like that is something well, we can go with. Patrick Stewart will be happy with that because he can't play that flute. Ah, good, good. You are aware of that story, aren't you? I am not aware of that story. I try to just avoid anything about oh, that whole... No, you have to rewatch that scene now, because it's one of those, now I have seen it, I cannot unsee it. Right, it, he's just miming playing it. No, and, those no? are not his arms. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> those are not Patrick Stewart's arms. If you actually look at it, look at the angles they're at and go, oh yeah, of course they're not. <laughs> that is yeah. in the same way that Bowie was not contact juggling in Labyrinth. That is a yeah, dude sticking saying. his arms underneath Patrick Stewart's armpits to play the flute for him. It's what amazing. A <laughs> what a job. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is a once you've seen it, cannot unsee. Because I did not know that until I was told. And then I rewatched the scene and went, oh fuck, my eyes are open. I see clearly now. 
the world is not what it once was. Yep. So uh, very much as Picard's flute playing was actually the lived experience of a, another lifetime, the actual playing of that flute on set was the lived experience of an entirely different person. <laughs> but yeah, more Patrick Stewart is more good. Like, give that yes. man work. I could watch that guy do almost anything. So an ongoing series starring Patrick Stewart, it'll probably be watchable, whatever it is, is my take on that one. Worth a wait and see. Yep. So anything else from us or from the chat room before we call in a night? Watch Venom. Watch Venom. You'll have a good time. Also, go watch the teaser for the uh, Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yeah. Because you never know. Might You might look at it and go, ooh, that looks interesting. Yeah. And then write to them and go, put Hot Girl in it. Also, Captain Marvel's out in like two weeks. So... Probably too late to write to them and say, put Hot Girl in this. Probably, but yeah. we'll probably be talking about it in, I don't know, three weeks. Probably. <laughs> I think I think we're all planning to see it, are we not? Uh, yeah. Maybe. Hmm. I was expecting more maybe. enthusiasm. Like, I... mm. I'm not, like, against <laughs> the idea of going and seeing it. It's just, it's maybe go, oh yeah, that's on. I'll, I'll probably go see it at some point. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I'm see it. It's got Nirvana on the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Mind you, that that's more an appeal to my generation than yours. It really is. Like, I think you're forgetting just how. I think you're forgetting like just how little of the '90s I sort yeah, of mentally experienced. That, I, I'm sort of as I was saying it, it started occurring to me. It's like I was like, how can you not be excited for this huge '90s nostalgia fest? And I went, oh yes, you were a child. You my, my '90s was my '90s was Lou Bega, Eiffel sixty five. <laughs> Natalie Imbruglia, <laughs> Michelle Brand. You never know. You might get lucky. There might be some Mambo Number no. Five in Captain Marvel. There probably won't be, but there might there be some be. Captain Marvel Mambo Number no. Five. Like, like my peak nineties year is the year two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Wow>. shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna go see it. I mean, I'm I'm excited for it because I like Brie Larson. I like Captain Marvel as a character. I like the idea of uh, a woman fronting a Marvel movie. I mean, I was going to say a comic yes. book movie, but we've already had Wonder Woman. I like the idea. And we had Catwoman in the mid 2000s. Did we, though? <laughs> I, I, I just, I feel like I always need to remind people of this whenever they mention Wonder Woman and go, ah, the first female fronted superhero movie. Blah, 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 blah. Like, as shit as it was, we can't pretend Catwoman ah, never happened. But, okay, if you're going to, right. I'm gonna get super pedantic here oh, in a way to fuck. write that film out. Do it in the do it in the voice. Well, I think actually you'll find if you're going to say about the first female fronted <laughs> superhero movie in DC Comics, Catwoman is a costumed vigilante. She's not a superhero at all. So that movie Which... departs so far from the canonical character of Catwoman as to uh, exclude itself from consideration. Because <laughs> in the movie, she is definitely super powered. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So fuck that film is what I'm saying. There, there, was, there was Supergirl, though. That is true. That happened. Oh, shit, yes. And if we're going to talk about comic book movies, then technically Tank Girl counts. It does. I mean, that's the only way it counts. <laughs> hey, fuck you. That movie's great. <laughs> 
See? Right. What did I say earlier in this, thing, in this whole conversation, right? If you enjoy it, that makes it a good film. No, it is a bad film. I, I accept that. I accepted that but at the time. You just said it's great. It, I love it. Yes. Uh, Therefore, it is a great it film. Is, it is a great you. piece of entertainment and a bad film. Okay, fair there enough. There we go. I've rescued myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically, what I'm putting out there is no one should feel guilty about Oh, God, no. No, that's films, kind of why though. I'm bringing up the fact that I love things like Tank Girl and Dune. Like, yeah. And why I said it's all very subjective. Uh, movies are personal. Like, you will like it doesn't mean that anyone else has to. Yeah. Don't give anyone yes, shit for yeah. not liking what you like. And don't yes. give anyone shit for liking what you don't. Unless it's like Nazism. I was gonna say, like, <laughs> provided it's not, you know, actively bad, like, actively destructive. Yeah. If, if we're talking about just taste in, like, movies and music and stuff, then generally let people like what they like. You, you, can, yeah. you can let people like what they like. I mean, if, if someone's start... favorite movie of all time and pretty much the only film they'll recommend and they won't stop re recommending is, like, Song of the South. <laughs> I was going to say Birth of a Nation. Well, Birth of a Nation like, is a really good example as well. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, yes, I mean, yes, technically, as a piece of early cinema, <laughs> I can understand, but is that why you like it? Or, mm, like, I'm not going to say you can't like yeah, maybe it. Maybe have a conversation are, with those people. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have a conversation with you about why you like this. It's, it's like yes. the classic bit of um, Tumblr dating advice. You know, if, if you mm. meet a guy who says their favorite movie is Fight Club or American Psycho, or and there's a bunch of others on the list, it's like, yeah, maybe yeah, don't date that guy. It, it, it's also the, the, the one, I mean, uh, Jack, you might need to bring this one up with, uh, with your missus at some mm. point, which is the uh, when talking with someone who says they like history. Oh God! It's, like if you're, it's usually when talking to a guy, or a, what specifically a white guy who says, I, "I'm interested in history." It's like find out what bits of history yes. they're interested <laughs> in. Because it's like a very if you just like history in general, cool. If you like some sort of really weird esoteric part of history, cool. But when they start saying, "I'm interested in World War II," okay, possibly a problem. Are they interested in like parts of World War II? Or are they just the military parts? There's yep. a problem. But if they say that <laughs> even into... if it's not just World War Two, if their interests are like World War Two, World War One, mm -hmm. Imperial mm -hmm. Rome, the Crusades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm sensing a theme, and I don't like yeah. it. Uh... <laughs> so I'm like, I feel like you know, with my, with my my, I like I like history. I specifically like the Spanish Civil War and Meiji Restoration Japan. Like those are my. That's what I like. It's like um, the Fight Club thing. I, I really rate Fight Club. I wouldn't say it was my yes, favourite movie, absolutely. but it's ask them why that's their favourite film, because there yeah. are two answers yeah. there. One of them is like, Tyler Durden's amazing, and that's <laughs> a red flag. And then there's anarcho-anti-capitalism is amazing, and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Although for some people's politics, it would be the other way around. Which one of those was the warning sign? <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> uh... Don't date people who don't accept you for the anarcho-anti-capitalist that you are. <laughs> Wait, the, you am. Yeah, there we go. I think that's a good message to leave it on. Yeah. <laughs> if you take nothing else away from this episode of Dangerously Unprepared, let it be that. Yeah. <laughs> Break off your keys and the locks of police car doors. And yes, actually, as Ren brings up a, a, another good point, if it's World War II and the Crusades, but that's because they play paradox games. I say this in Zoe's defense in her absence. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably fine too. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 
It's difficult to find grand strategy games that aren't set during particularly tumultuous yes. uh, politically and racially and religiously fraught periods of history. There's not a lot of strategy to peacetime. Yeah, like Civ, <laughs> you can do it. The, the conversations Tom and I have had. Yes, conversations. Some of the conversations Zoe has had with Tom, who is a friend of ours, who is another grand strategy game player, if overheard without context, would make them both look like <laughs> Blithering psychopaths. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's like when when I'm giving tips to people to play Rome Total War, which is like just take all of your soldiers out of the city, right? And so the people will have no soldiers looking after them. They'll start a rebellion, and then you just move the army back in and murder all the rebellious uh, people, and you've just got the loyal people left <laughs> over. It's it's sort of like that, except with a lot of conversation about mass castration. Yes. Oh, yes. Anyway. (laughs) If anyone can figure out as well how to do a non-war-based miniatures game, uh, like a peaceful strategy-style miniatures game... Wouldn't that be a tabletop sports game? Well, no, I'm just thinking, like, you know how you can play Civ in a completely non-war-based thing and, like, like a sort of a a Star Trek-style game? There's that Star Trek board game where you don't have to fight, you can work together. Ah. Um, I want to try and figure out how to do a miniatures game like that. I know there's a way. I, where there is a will. I think you might be onto something with the cooperative element. Yeah. Because you make the, the challenges to overcome the environment, and not necessarily in terms of violence, but in terms of problems to be solved. I'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll figure something out. yeah that's an I'm, interesting one. I'm roping one. you guys into this I, I Consider me roped in. Excellent. <laughs> and and listeners, if you too are roped in, then email us at I mean something at dangerouslyunprepared.com. Like really whatever you type before the at sign will work, it doesn't matter. Uh so yeah. you know, take advantage Most, of that. Mostly I've just got a massive, massive, massive amount of like various fantasy and sci-fi miniatures kicking around from my hobby history <laughs> about twenty-five years now. That I'm probably never going to do an army for, so I might as well find some use. Yeah, or you can tweet us at Unprepared Show. You can find us on the Facebooks. You can find us on the Twitch, of course, at Twitch.tv/slash Dangerously Unprepared, wherein you will find links to contact us in all manner of ways. It's down there. It is down there. If you're watching it now, is. it's down there. Uh, if you're listening to it, it, it's still down there, but you have no reference <laughs> for what we're saying. Um, we will oh, shit, be yeah. back next Wednesday, hopefully. Uh, I. I put a caveat around that because that has not been true every week, but we hope to be back next week. Uh, uh, Zoe should be around on Friday to do her Crusader King stream, and I should be doing Cities this weekend. I don't think I've got anything else on this weekend. I think that's safe to say. Yes, I'm going to commit to it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And once, once Minami and my exams are out of the way, I will hopefully do a return to Vampire. Yes, please Um, do. And then once that's out of the way, I will start a big project stream for you for, for for the channel nice and i either either that legend of zelda every game <laughs> that I would do, which is now going to facilitate me having to buy a switch so that i can buy uh, links away but you'll have to play every other game before that so yes uh don't worry you'll have time <laughs> or i'll do a final fantasy 9 playthrough or i'll do me- uh, metal gear solid and i also got the possibility of us Apexing the Legends. Possibly, yes, yes, on the PlayStation, where my aim will be abysmal because I hate shooters on console, so that'll be funny. Yay! <laughs> that'll bring you down to our level, bro. Yes. <laughs> uh, or... Watch us be terrible together. 
But until any of those things happen, you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared. I have been Simon. I have been Kyrie. And I have been Jack. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. My cat's gone insane. <laughs> Yay! Scaring like a mad thing.